Hello and welcome back to the channel, it's Mark from Apprentice One to One. Today we are going to talk about the routes into the electrical industry. So I've been asked a lot of late, what's the best way to qualify as an electrician? How should I go about it? There's loads of people coming out of school for the minute looking at ways in. So I wanted to cover this through the course of this podcast. We're also going to look at things that are applicable to people who are retraining later on in their working careers and those of you who are perhaps in industry already and looking to map your skills across to current industry standards. We're going to get into all of that through the course of this one. I hope some of the information I'm going to share is going to be useful and helpful. That's the primary aim of it. And I guess the first thing to stay at the, at the outset of this is, you know, what actually is a qualified electrician? And people throw up the, you're always on your learning, you're always doing competence, CPD and all the rest of it. That's brilliant, fantastic. But people want to know, how do you actually get into industry to work as an electrician? And specifically, employers are looking at people who've attained a certain level of training. And that maps through off-qual education. It's all laid out in central government of what actually is um, an electrical installation person, essentially. And employers want people who are qualified in that category so that they can take them on and then teach them any subsequent training they might need to work in the specific industries they operate. So you're not going to be taught everything you're ever going to need to know to be an electrician in the four or five years of time you're spending through your initial learning, but you're going to have that base fundamental training knowledge and experience to go off and work in industry and take your first steps. You may then specialise in rail, power, distribution, solar PV, renewables, smart tech, controls, PLCs, whatever it is, there is a huge range of work roles you can have in the electrical industry, it's massive. So you can expect to take all that training in as a one size fits all from the very beginning. So it's just to put that out there, this is what you need as your first step. Now the mechanism that's mostly used, or should be mostly used I will say, because it's perhaps not the case, is a proper full-time apprenticeship where you're employed and spend four days a week with your employer out doing electrical work alongside experienced and qualified electricians. And then you go off one day a week to your training provider to take in some theoretical knowledge and some practical knowledge as well alongside them in a training environment. And they usually run over four years. People do complete them faster, but generally speaking, it's a four year program. And when you've finished that training, you will then enter industry as an electrician fresh out of training. I've got to say, um, at the end of the third year, going into the fourth year, you will start to do your NVQ for portfolio. So the first three years, you can have site assessments where the college will come out and check up on you and see how you're getting on. You'll do various exams and things along the way as well to do with the regulations, science and principles, your level two and level three quals. And then you start to produce your portfolio in that third, fourth year. And once all that's in order, you do your pre-assessment checklist with the NET, your employer and the training provider, if everyone's happy, you've attained the right level of knowledge and experience, you can go on and take your AM2 assessment and on completing that, you would then be at that level that industry accepts as a qualified electrician. Sometimes people mix the JIB up and the gold card in with all of this. There is um, certain elements of the social media space that want to position the JIB gold card as some tool to be industry with usually because they can't qualify for that card themselves. And it's a, it's a difficult approach when you're trying to encourage and inspire people to become electricians when those kind of conversations start happening because it's a diversion from what's actually the truth. So the JIB Gold Card, 
um, has a certain list of criteria that they use to accept people in to their grading scheme, or they will grade anybody, but to be graded as an installation or maintenance electrician, whatever it is, at the gold card standard, you have to have achieved a certain level of qualification. And at the minute, that maps exactly to what industry is kind of looking at as well for those base camp qualified electricians. So these people often try and position themselves as being accused of being GIB bashers. They're actually not, in my opinion, they're trade bashers because they muddy the discussion. It's quite a negative narrative. Um, and there's generally that perch of superiority they like to sit on and preach down at anyone else you know that they know best and just because they can't get their JRB gold card doesn't mean that's of any value to anyone else who can get one. So just to put that out there from the start, in my opinion the JRB is a fantastic organisation, they've supported electricians for decades, my wife's granddad received some fantastic support from them many many years ago in his working career. My former mentors the same, means a great deal to them and it will always mean a great deal to me. There's huge value in having an ECS um, gold card in terms of being able to access site to work and to demonstrate and prove the qualifications you've attained in a very simple and effective way. And if you work for a JIB employer, there's even more benefits to do with healthcare, free training you can access. It's a whole raft of those things and there'll be links in the description alongside this video to go off and check the JIB because if you are an apprentice you can register and be graded by them as an apprentice electrician and there's lots of perks that go alongside that it's fantastic value it's not an expensive thing to get JIB graded so I would recommend that anybody goes ahead and does that but that's just a mini diversion from the actual subject matter I just wanted to head that one off because I've heard some horrendous podcasts of late from people who should know better really banging the drum about a load of nonsense I wanted to get that out of the way there. The other route that's often used by people coming out of school, so this is 16 to 19 year olds if you like, is a full-time study route. So that's the level two and level three, two, three, six, five, sitting guilds as an EAL equivalent. And people are usually placed on those courses because there's a limited amount of employment opportunities as apprentices. I think at the minute industry takes about 7,000 a year in which is way under the number of people who are coming forward wanting to enter industry. Which, When you think about it, it's bizarre because industry is saying we need many tens of thousands more qualified and competent electricians and there's lots of employers hunting around trying to recruit them now, but there's a very small pool of employers who are prepared to take those steps and train people as apprentices. Um, they're wanting the quick fix. It might be we've lost our way with apprenticeship training and we're slowly turning those wheels back to try and encourage it, showing the value of it, and hopefully we're going to grow that over the next few years. And I'll get to that later on in this video. But if you go down that full-time route, you spend your time at college doing all the same or similar units as what you would do on your apprenticeship in the college time frame. You get a bit more involved in the practical side of things as well, because obviously you're not out with an employer. They usually run over two or three years for the full level two and level three. Now, there are some employers who see some value in looking at learners in those environments to take them on midway through their training. So if you're fortunate enough to find someone who will then employ you as an apprentice after you've spent a year in full-time study, you can RPL over the um, elements of the training you've already done into the apprenticeship you transfer to. So you don't have to repeat that learning, which is a, a nice win, I think. It makes a lot of sense. It didn't used to be like that. So if you do end up on the full-time route, because you've not been lucky enough excuse me, to get an employer, there are options not to give up looking because you could be fortunate enough the next time round to get placed and then transfer over the training you've done. 
Sadly, that doesn't happen very often. And people continue on that journey over two or three years until they've completed their level two and level three. And then they're kind of at this cliff edge where they've got to go off and complete the same portfolio. Um, so you have to build the same portfolio evidence and then put yourself forward for an AM2. The difficulty people have is employers aren't really looking at that pool of people as um, a, a job workforce, if you like, that's of interest to them. They don't want to recruit people who are partially trained. They either want to hire apprentices or fully qualified electricians. So the training industry has grown this huge volume of people and ultimately they don't make it into industry. So that's a really tricky bridge to cross at the end of that that I want to make clear to people watching this because I know through Apprentice One to One there are thousands of people in that position getting in touch. Can you help me get some work experience? Can you help me find anyone who'll give me an opportunity to go and build a portfolio and demonstrate what I can do to finish my training? There is lots and lots of people in that position and it's, it's really heartbreaking. I know there are some industry figures on the way soon where some regions of the UK, only 10% of people coming out of school who take those full-time routes make it to industry, which I think is scandalous when you think it's ultimately taxpayers paying for that. This is free education after school for people then you know where's the value for those people putting the time and effort into doing that training where's the value for industry and where's the value for the taxpayers it's just not there there's, there's lots of training providers who are doing very well out of that arrangement but i think there needs to be a reallocation of some of that funding perhaps to support employers in hiring apprentices and training providers having better facilities to deliver them perhaps just doesn't make any sense and i know there are some changes coming around all of that and we'll get to that later in the video so there are some options coming in the future that are different to what's available right now. That's the position you're in if you're approaching training now with the full-time study route as somebody who is leaving school. You do also have the full-time study option if you were retraining as an older learner. So if you're coming out of a different industry and you're entering into the electrical industry, you can go off and do that same training. Often it's difficult to take the financial hit of being an apprentice when you may have dependents if you're a bit more mature. Um, and it's a, f a faster route in, if you like, ultimately. But you will still have those same problems trying to find yourself employment at the end of that to finish your training. In your position, um, you should have that made clear to you by the training provider. They're actually supposed to do that, that this course isn't going to give you the qualifications of an electrician. You're going to need to go and do this afterwards yourself. And I don't think that should be allowed to happen. I think training providers should have access to a pool of employers to enable people to complete the training. And if they don't, they shouldn't run the course. They're just cashing in at the expense of people wanting to be electricians um, for their own benefits, greed. So that's my own opinion on that one. Looking at the experience worker route, I'll just to cover back onto those actually, there's obviously the city and guilds versions, so the 2365 and the 8202s, and then there's the EAL level two and three variants that run in the same way, but they're provided by EAL, not city and guilds. So it's the two different awarding bodies. They do exactly the same thing. Um, just to put that out there. If you're a more mature person already in industry, but maybe you haven't completed the full scope of training the first time around for whatever reason, you can do the 2346. Again, that's the City and Guilds number and that's the experienced worker route. And that'll help you fill in the blank spots of stuff you've maybe not done in your prior training. So if you missed the AM2, for example, or you missed out doing the portfolio, or you missed some of your level three, Whatever it is, you would work alongside an assessor who will help you understand what bits you've missed through a skill scan and then set up set a plan out. 
you were to fill those blanks in and reach the standard of qualification you're going to need and be able to demonstrate that to then meet the same standard as the gold card which is what industry is also looking at as your qualifications. Whether you get the gold card or not is here and there. You don't have to do that. You just need to reach the qualification that would attain one. That's the key metric that industry is looking at right now. Um, so yeah, important that you get to that, that stage. Now there are a lot of people with legacy qualifications and sometimes there's a bit of a mix up with that. If you do have legacy quals from the past, um, so if you've done your part C, I think it was, and part one and two and your C certificate or whatever it was termed, those things are still mapped across with the GIB and industry as valid qualifications today that you can use in getting graded with the GIB, in qualifying through the EAS document to register with a CPS provider. Nobody's stripping all that away and telling you you've got to do it all again. So legacy qualifications do still count. It's the people who've missed elements of training who can't be graded in those two categories. And a lot of those people try and muddy that up so it divorces responsibility from themselves by saying that the gatekeepers have changed the rules and we're now being told we have to have an MVQ portfolio, AM2, everything we've done is worthless. When the truth is you never finished your training properly back in the past. If you've got an indentured apprenticeship from the 1950s, as my wife's granddad did, he would still qualify for his gold card today if he was alive with the qualifications he retired with. Um, he's still got his apprenticeship deeds. I've got them and shared them on social media a lot, so I'm quite proud of them. It's a really nice document. I'll try and find a picture of it actually and drop it in this video, just giving myself some extra editing. Well done, Mark. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not the case. There's a group of people and they kind of polluted social media with some really negative agendas bashing various bodies through industries such as the ECA, the NIC, NAPIT, um, the IET. Lots of that was going on and really it was because they didn't like the fact they hadn't qualified properly themselves. So that's the very short story. And unfortunately those discussions are a lot more quiet now. I think the, um, people have cottoned onto the fact that these aren't a good influence on industry and they're um, not respected as much as perhaps they once were but those discussions are still going on so I want to put content like this out to counteract against that to explain what is actually going on um, and some of the valuable routes that are available to you coming to work as electricians in 2023 and just to say all those training routes I've mentioned we've done individual podcasts on so there's one with Craig Wiltshire on the 2346 myself Jamie Craig and Richard have all spoken about the 2365 the 8202 We've had the EAL on as well, sitting Guilds, the IET, that's all been in the catalogue of Apprentice One to One podcasts. So you can go back and check those out if you want to learn a little bit but more about one of those routes. Um, the detail is there in the prior content. Uh, there is also a fantastic website. I'm going to jump and do a screen record in a minute and show you that. And it's produced by TESP. Um, they're the Electrotechnical Skills Partnership, I think. And they put loads of content out on the internet around training. So they're highlighting all the rogue trainers, but they do a fantastic careers website that really does set out the routes because it's different in England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland as well. It's not the same. So it's really, this is why podcasts like this are quite hard because there's no one size fits all. Um, but yeah, just to speak about some of the things that are coming and some of the things that have been. So the reason training's ch changing quite a lot at the minute, because it is, and we'll get to the changes that are coming in, is in the past we've had a period of very short course training programs. Again, 
the training industry kind of run riot with the introduction of Part P and in my opinion even before that from the times of the YTS systems that were in place when I was qualifying there's been a huge shift from what was indentured apprenticeship training in the 70s I think all of this started to happen in the 80s and 90s and people who industry in industry at those times you know they started all this off to where we are today and now we're trying to spin the wheel back the other way as best we can and it's very very difficult in the economic climate we're all finding ourselves in at the minute it's really hard for training providers and employers with all the extra cost burden and contractual and time pressures it's really not easy along with all the changes in the wider industry to do with technology um, but yeah we had the the Part P epidemic start in the mid-2000s, there was a huge drive to short course training. It was supposed to be um, these short courses were kind of pushed forward as helping plumbers and kitchen fitters to do a bit of training to enable them to fit switch few spares in their installations and add extra sockets and stuff. And then it kind of got pushed into this domestic installer qualification that was attainable in a few weeks to start with and those periods shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk so you could get yourself registered with a CPS provider in um, two to five weeks. Those were the things that were going on and obviously we had some issues around those, those training. I'm not going to speak about the consequences and things that have happened but there was issues. It ended, ended up with discussions in government and industry was kind of told to get its house in order before um, matters were taken out of their hands if you like and some of those videos and recordings have been shared on the internet from 10 years or so ago and they're available if you wish to go and watch them um, but now we've decided as industry those short courses were a bad thing and we're moving back to this apprenticeship full-time study groups and those things have not been accepted now by the CPS providers for new entrants coming into industry there's the EAS document which maps very closely to what the GIB accepting people attaining the gold cards if you want to enter a CPS provider scheme matches up very similar which makes great sense because people have a common ground to aim at I think that's all we can ask for tell us what we're pitching at and let us achieve that um, and then we can work from there so that was the things of the past now what we've got coming now is the domestic electrician apprenticeship standard. I actually think they named that incorrectly because of those things I was just talking about with domestic installers and the short courses of the past. Having the word domestic electrician really rings alongside a lot of that and instantly got backs up um, of a few people and there was a lot of, neg well I wouldn't say a lot, but there was a small group of people who put out lots of negative uh, opinion on this new apprenticeship standard um, and the valid worries around it were kind of washed away around all that rubbish which was a shame because there are some important discussions to have around that new standard I think. In my opinion it would have been better to have called it a renewables engineering standard or something because it is very much focused on EV charge points, solar PV um, and such things as that but it's a three-year program and you must remember that all apprenticeship standards are put forward by employers they're the groups that come forward and ask for these things to be formed because they want to employ people with those qualifications um, so that's come forward you can do that over three years and it gives you a qualification at level three of being a domestic electrician and it has its own gold card grading for that so you can get a gold card as a maintenance electrician installation electrician there's a few different titles that give you that and the domestic electrician is another one industry is currently working on mapping routes so people who've gone down that domestic electrician training route can complete units they've maybe missed in that learning to then transition over to a full installation electrician. 
which is good because people might be on in their career, end up in different work role and want to progress and fill in the blank spots so that they're qualified in the role that they're currently working in. Those routes should be there, but the gatekeeping on that needs to be tight. Otherwise, it's all we'll probably see is people try and take that domestic electrician standard and very quickly bridge the gap between one and the other. And I think that's why industry's taking its time in coming forward with those particular options because I don't believe they want that to be the case. This is just a new standard that's come forward to try and improve things in the EV marketplace, solar PV, battery storage at a domestic level, but still give people the opportunity to work in the domestic sector as a competent and qualified electrician, which is a good thing, but there does need to be some strong gatekeeping on that. So that's something that's out now. You can go and enter into that with an employer and a training provider. At the minute, there's not many training providers running it, but there are more coming on in September and beyond. So it's going to be more widely available for those of you who might be interested in that. There's lots of small domestic electricians who have been unable to employ apprentices because they didn't have the full range of work that you need for the full installation electrician standard. And I've done another video and podcast on that before, so I'm not going to dive into that rabbit hole on this one. If you want to check that full detail out in and around that, it's in the back catalogue. Go off and check it out. Um, and we do have some changes coming to the installation electrician standard. And this is coming in September. I was part of the consultation process as an employer in that development. So there's an increased funding pot for training providers. And the cost duration has been increased by six months to four and a half years. And that's to deliver some of the extra content and just to change some of the way the training was delivered. I think it's a good thing because it was a tight time frame at four years as it was. So that extra window is valuable. Um, but just to make you aware, it is now longer. So if you're going to enter as an installation and maintenance electrician on that level three standard, then those changes are going to affect the length of time it could take you to qualify important to understand and appreciate that um, and again the training providers overall get a bigger pot of money now obviously that's spread over a longer period of time and I think there are some discussions around some of the training providers as to how that's impacting them on a week-to-week -week basis because it's not um, quite as helpful as it first appears that's another conversation for another day and it doesn't really affect you as people entering the industry today it's more for the training providers to solve and sort so yeah that's the new apprenticeship standard changing and been increased in time essentially. That's the biggest difference for the new people who are gonna be entering onto that along with the extra bits of content around EV, uh, PV and battery storage. You're not gonna be taught that in the amount of detail that you would find on the domestic electrician standard, for example, but you're gonna get an understanding of it through that, that training mechanism. Now there's a, another really interesting change and it kind of matched right back to what we spoke about at the start of this podcast or near the beginning of it to do with the level two and level three full-time study routes. From 2025, the government are defunding those current options. So they're not going to provide money to pay training providers to deliver them to 16 to 19 year olds, which is an important change. Um, they are introducing something called T-levels. So that's going to be the options for people. I think it's September 2025, they're bringing it in where you can either do um, a T-level or you can do an apprenticeship. I think T-level, you still spend time with employers. I'm not sure exactly how they work. We haven't covered them on the Apprentice One to One podcast before because I don't know a great deal about them. So we're gonna speak with Craig, Jamie and Richard and see if we've got enough knowledge in our little group to discuss this um, on the podcast. And if not, 
we'll bring someone in from EL or City and Guilds or a training provider who's got some understanding and delve into it because I want to learn more about that and explain to you guys and girls who might be following what that's going to mean um, in what is 18 months time now um, and from doing Apprentice one-to-one over the last three, three and a bit years I can tell you how fast time is, is running at the minute so that's not that far away but we will get into that, we'll have a little chat about that in a future episode. So I hope that's kind of given a broad understanding just to recap, so I know it's a lot to take in, we don't make it especially straightforward and simple. You do either have the full-time study route as an apprentice, apprentice, sorry, full-time route as an apprentice, where you go off and work with an employer and do day release to college essentially and build a portfolio and MVQ at the end, or you can go off and do your full-time study with a training provider over a two or three year period, if you're lucky, you can get a transfer over to an apprenticeship midway through and RPL over all the training you've done, so you don't have to repeat it. Or if you're a more experienced person who's already got a bit of knowledge in the electrical industry, some prior training, you can do your two, three, four, six experience worker route. And if you are an older person entering industry, fresh off the bat, um, there are the full-time study routes again available to you, which are slightly different to the ones that are offered to those people leaving school. Um, or you can still apply for an apprenticeship if you're lucky enough to find an employer who will take you on. The difficulty you will have with that is obviously there's the reduced salary you're going to have to take for yourself, but lots of employers are put off from it because they would still have to pay you more due to your age after that first year where the wages are reduced. So we are going to get into bits of that in future episodes as well. We're going to speak about what the... Um, minimum wage requirements are for you as apprentices working in industry and also some of the ways that you can approach finding an employer. We spoke about it before on the podcast but I appreciate that lots of episodes come out all the time these things get lost in the fullness of time. We've also had Sam from the Electricians podcast who's given his how-to in terms of getting work if you're on a retraining route or a full-time study route and you want to do your portfolio and you're AM2, he's given some great advice and again I'll link in the description to some of that stuff in this one but we'll revisit it on the Apprentice One to One podcast, we'll explain some of the things you can do to attract an employer or find an employer if you are looking for an apprenticeship or if you're looking for some work experience and the options available to you but just for now on this one we're focusing in on the training routes. So it all kind of comes back to the start really that if you are wanting to enter industry and qualify as an electrician, ultimately you'll want to meet that standard that gives you the JIB gold card. Um, and again, some people will pour scorn on that and say, well, on Instagram there's adverts telling me I can buy one for £700, or it's just a piece of plastic, it doesn't really do anything. Um, and you can take those points of view if you wish. However, if I wanted to, I could buy a dodgy MOT, I could buy a fake passport, there is all kinds of things that you can buy that are forged, fake and not real that sidestep the system in place that legitimate people want to use. I don't want to purchase a dodgy MOT. I don't want a dodgy passport or driving license. That's not the world I live in. I want to have all those things achieved properly for my own sanity and safety. And it's the same with being a qualified and competent electrician. I want to be that. And the gold card reaches that same standard. Whether I have it or not is a personal choice. Having the qualifications that can achieve one is the thing. That's the ultimate crux of the matter. Everything else is just nonsense. 
because people don't have that level of qualification. Sorry, but that's just the way it is. Um, so yeah, don't take too much value of that. We do try and challenge and tackle a lot of these things. If you have seen those posts on Facebook and Instagram saying you can buy a JRB Gold card or whatever else, don't give them any money. Don't go down those rabbit holes. They are just ripping you off. You will never get anything of any value. Your cards can be checked via electronic means and any sites that's running itself properly will have those checks in place and happening and you'll be found out either before you get onto your induction or very soon during the course of it and removed from site. So if they tell you that they've got someone on the inside that can bypass the digital checks because there's some brilliant apps that the JIB and CSCS have brought out for checking cards, they are lying to you. They cannot do that. They do not have anyone on the inside. They just want your money. So don't fall for it. Just to get that out there as it popped into my head because that is something that's a big problem at the minute. I know from the Apprentice One to One Facebook group that Dan and Matt are constantly removing those posts from people who are putting WhatsApp numbers up to go off and buy it and it, it's just irritating. Don't, please don't fall for that. There is real value in achieving the actual real thing that you will get great sense of achievement from and have a lifelong career afterwards because you got there you know we can all get there i'm over 40 years old now i was an apprentice once um, and one of the things i will say that if you are lucky enough to find yourself in training or working as an apprentice is don't be afraid to ask questions i had a really bad experience just to go off on a tangent of a story but when i was working in industry i think it was probably 17 um i did a really bad bit of work been a massive mistake i've made loads of big mistakes since then it's just the nature of the beast when you're working um through the course of a career mistakes happen you learn from them develop improve and correct the problem um, but at that stage i've made a massive mistake and somebody who was working alongside me who's a lot more experienced and actually qualified in the role i was training to do found it and basically said that if i did it again they'd report it to um the boss and i would be dismissed sacked you can't be doing that given a, a, a volley load of all the reasons of why it was terrible and that they were going to get me fired, um, which didn't encourage me to then ask questions, if you see what I'm getting at. You kind of want to cover up your mistakes a little bit because you think you're going to get sacked. Um, you become very lacking in confidence, I would say. It took me a long time to gain that confidence as a young person working in industry to ask questions and realise that you really you don't know what you don't know. And, you know... It put me off and knocked me. So don't worry about those people. Because what I subsequently found is that most of the people out in industry want to help you. And if they see you making a mistake, yeah, they'll tell you what it was and point it out to you. But they will also show you how not to do it again. And the things that you have done wrong in a nice and pleasant manner. So you learn from that experience and improve next time. And you develop your skills. That's what it's all about. So if you're not sure of something and you want something explaining to you, have those conversations. 99% of electricians who are out there will love the fact that you're asking questions and want to help you. So don't be afraid of that. Just to delve off a little rabbit hole while we're on this podcast and speak about that. Um, I'm gonna do the screen record now. We're gonna go off and look at that TESP um, Electrical Careers website. We'll run through it very quickly so you can have an overview of what's on there. And just to also say that there's some great free resources for apprentices and students to get some support from the CPS providers. I know NAPIT do their free membership for learners and apprentices where you can go off and register with them. There'll be a link in the description alongside this video for you to do that. 
and you get access to their technical helpline. There's the free CPD that they put on, loads of other brilliant little bits and pieces that you can get totally free. There's no charge whatsoever for that. And I think it's fantastic to see a CPS provider. I think the NIC do the same as well. I'm a NAPIT member, so I don't, I don't know, but I believe they do. Um, so you can go and do that. I think the IET have a reduced fee as well for membership with them. I've got to say that the, um, the IET seem to have left electricians behind a little bit, but there is some really useful training material on there outside of industry. So to do with developing your skills of communication, your IT skills, understanding a business and more technological developments, if you like. So that's another one to check out. I think it's about 50 quid-ish to join up with them, but don't hold me to that. Go and have a look for yourselves and see. Let's have a zoom down of me and we'll blow the screen up to look at this website and run through it from there. Okay, so I should be shrinking down before your very eyes now and you can see the electrical careers website. Um, excuse me for lot looking down the lens of the camera because I'm having to look at my laptop. But if we scroll to the bottom here, you can see it is run by TESP and they are the Electrotechnical Skills Partnership. And this website is full of loads of information for people who might be considering entering the industry or progressing and upskilling. Um, you've got the careers resources with loads of little apps and bits and pieces that you can find. There's case studies, which gives you examples of people who've already been on that route. They explain about the electrical industry. We'll click on that option while we're here and have a look. It tells you all about it with some videos and um, content that's been created by people who walk the walk you want to be going on. So this is a fantastic industry, but the one I want to focus on is joining the industry. And if we look at the training routes, so this is electrical training routes. And as I said, it breaks it down into different regions and they've actually included the Isle of Man on there as well. Because these are all different options for you while going for your qualifications. We'll just run through the England, um, Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales options and have a little look at those as we move down the list. You can see here route one is apprenticeships as we spoke about. So it's the preferred route into industry. Employers can access funding for apprentices of all ages. Um, that's the contribution towards the training. At the minute, if you're an employer, you only get a thousand pound payment which is paid after 90 days and 365 days in two equal installments. And that's only if they're aged 16 to 18 in terms of some money to you. And you do have to contribute to some of the training costs as well. I think it's about 300 pounds a year or so if you're a small employer. So factor that in as well. And this just runs through uh, basically what we've just discussed, but you can see it there. There's some videos. It talks about the AM2S assessment as well. So you can go off and look at what that is. Again, run by NET. So TESP and NET are two fantastic organisations in industry. NET, NET is a charity that looks after the AM2 assessment and TESP is a collaborative of industry coming together to help um, in education and other matters as well. So that's kind of the apprenticeship route. I'm not going to dwell on these too much. I'm just showing you the website so you can go off and look yourself. But you've got the full-time education route. Um, so this is if apprenticeship route one is not available, this is an alternative. Over-19s can also sometimes receive funding. So that's an important point of note, actually. If you've not already achieved a level three qualification, I think you still can get funding. And in some cases, even if you've got a level three qualification funding for these routes as well. So it's well worth having the discussion with the training provider and exploring that. Don't just accept that you're going to have to pay for it. Sometimes you don't have to. So it says if you're not able to get your apprenticeship, classroom-based route will provide the technical knowledge and some practical skills that you can gain at a college or training centre. 
with the potential for work experience or contact with employers. That's the bit that breaks down. But you can see that's all in there, um, as we've already discussed, and you can take a look at the journey of how that works. So that's the full-time study route. Um, you've then got self-funded, and this is usually for the older entrants to industry. So you can see that there. So there's um, older people retraining. So you can see if you can't access funding and need to pay for your own training, it's important to, to consider your route carefully. There are no shortcuts to becoming a qualified electrician. Um, the classroom-based qualificational gaining college or training provider are a good foundation, but on their own, they do not mean you're a qualified electrician. And it should be explained to you by the training providers. And they have some good guidance on here as well, so you can go and check that out in more detail. And then there's the route four, which is the experience worker route, which we mentioned earlier on in this chat. So I'm not gonna delve into the full details of that, but again, if you wanna check that out, you can do. And we've got all the other regions here as well. So if we look at Northern Ireland, you can see there's the apprenticeship, self-funded, and the experience worker option. Um, they have different age ranges in Northern Ireland, so it's 16 to 24. And there's a few other bits and pieces around that as well. There's the self-funded option, and also the experienced worker option. So there's there's those for Northern Ireland, and then we'll have a look at, scroll that down a bit, at Scotland, and you can see you've got apprenticeship training. Uh, modern apprenticeships are now available for all ages up in Scotland, and they're a recommended route for those joining industry with no prior experience. So that's nice to see, and they don't have the AM2, they have a thing called FICA, which is very similar but there's a link over there for you to go and check it out. Now the adult training, it says you can enrol as an adult trainee if you're in full-time employment with an electrical contractor and have the support of your employer and have at least 12 months on-site experience. So they've been a bit more selective in who they're letting enter into industry. And I know up in Scotland that they're trying to, or already have done, made an electrician a professional protected title, which is interesting. Uh, and then they have Route 3, Crediting Electro-Technical Competence, which is the equivalent of the Experience Worker Route. In Wales, we've got the Apprenticeship again. So this is for 16 and above. Uh, I think Wales are kind of a bit between England and Scotland, so they're a bit in the middle. Uh, there are these subtle changes. You've got full-time education, which is 16 to 19. Self-funded again, and then the Experience Worker Assessment. And the Isle of Man, which has apprenticeship and it says here an apprenticeship is a great way to get the technical knowledge you'll need. Careers back with need for full-time attendance at a college or university. There's no upper age limit for an apprenticeship. They're open to anyone age 16 or over, whether you're just leaving school or seeking a new career. So it's a little bit different again for the Isle of Man. So just to run through that, and you can see on the top here you've got progression routes if you're already in industry as well, professional recognition, um, the career resources. It really is a great website, so go and check that out. So that's www.electricalcareers.co.uk and then scroll along the top menu bar to have a little look through it. We'll zoom that down and um, pop me back up. So hopefully that's been a helpful run through the training routes into industry. I know there's some discussions out there more widely around CPD and such of what electricians are, are doing and how we record it and stuff. and. Some people preaching about doing 500 hours plus a year CPD from the perch of superiority and how that's such a fantastic thing. When really if they were ever thrown out into the world of being an electrician, they would fall apart in five minutes flat. 
you want to have the skills and ability to be able to do the job and keep up to date and current. The CPD buzzword is just a way for industry to make itself look like it's doing enough to increase and upskill. When the reality is it's all about putting attention into apprenticeship training and taking the time necessary to invoke that upskill in industry. Um, it's not a quick fix that you're going to solve by CPD and writing things down in a nice little logbook to say you watch some webinars or read a magazine. It's not happening. CPD for me is the bolt-on training that you might do through the course of your career, such as a PV course, an EV course, um, perhaps an in-person NAPI Expo or an IET classroom-based discussion at one of the trade events. Something like that is the very limit of what I would push CPD to. And we even do the CPD accredited training through Apprentice One-to-One -one now. I'm very sketchy and uh, suspicious of all of that, but we do offer it because people seem to like to log and record this stuff because we've got to, um, and if we can help in some way through the course of issuing what might be useful. You know, maybe I'm too old school on what CPD actually is and means. I don't claim to know everything and be um, right about everything. So there are some discussions out in industry at the minute of trying to quantify what competence is. That word's been around for the last 10, 15 years now. You know, what is competence? And people talking about that as if it's some sort of metric we should be using to measure everything. And we're losing the understanding of how people train and qualify and work in industry because we want this logbook of CPD and we want this competence hierarchy or whatever. And if you're subconsciously competent and unconsciously competent or whatever else, it's just disconnecting people from being interested in working towards qualifying as electricians. That's ultimately what we're talking about. And then staying current with your skills. Um, writing that down in a book is fine and dandy if you've got the time to sit and do that. If you reckon you do 500 plus hours of CPD uh, a year, good on you. But can you pick a screwdriver up and get some electrical systems installed and safely connect solar PV systems and battery storage systems or design it? If you can, it's all a load of nonsense. Um, we're on about inspiring a new generation of people to come into the electrical industry and want to be focused, valuable electricians of the future. That's what I want to see. That's what I want all of the content around Apprentice one-to-one -to, -one to be about and all of the output I'm putting on my own YouTube channel as well. It's to try and show people what working electrician is all about. The valuable career you can get out of it is absolutely brilliant. I love it. You will too. Um, you've just got to see it through. It's really hard at the beginning when you are trying to get in industry and choose the path you're starting with. My recommendation is to get on an apprenticeship. But as I said, there's 7,000 of those available on average every year. And that's not very many when all of those school leavers are coming into industry desperate to be electricians. Unfortunately, those times will hopefully change as employers get on board with growing the workforce that they want. That demand is there now. They just want that filled more quickly than they realise is perhaps possible. And that's the journey we're all on. So better times are coming. I'm really confident of that. And I'm excited for you on your journey working towards qualifying as an electrician as well. If you've got any questions in and around this video that you'd like to ask, please do drop them in below. And otherwise, I'll see you on the next episode of the Apprentice 1 to 1 podcast. Thank you very much for watching.